Bob Cooney here. We are back live at the FOIL conference, Future of Immersive Leisure, as Kevin Williams would say. And I'm here, really a pleasure to run into Greg Lombardo, uh, and he's agreed to have a chat with us. Greg, uh, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. So Greg was uh, Senior Vice President of Location-Based Entertainment at Fox That's right. Studios, Fox something? 20th Century Fox. Okay. Uh, we worked across television and film properties, um, and uh, yeah, all things related to LB, whether it was live, exhibition, um, theme park, resort, yeah. was within our purview. Awesome, and, and Greg, Greg and I uh, had some conversations around IP licensing uh, with zero latency, and it right. just didn't manifest, but um, now that he's outside of the studio, <laughs> I thought it'd be really interesting to get his perspective on um, on how IP licensing and virtual reality and out of home might play out, because I think the studio executives have some very specific thoughts on how they want it to, to be shaped, and I think the industry isn't ready for that, maybe? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'd like to, to kick off. So give yeah. us a little bit of your background, a little bit of context. Yeah, so my background's in uh, writing, directing, and producing for theater, film, and commercials. Um, that led me to a company called BRC Imagination Arts, which is a Bob Rogers. Bob Rogers company. Bob's a former Bob. Disney Imagineer and has run a really successful design and production company for many, many years. And um, that's really where the intersection of sort of media and storytelling converged with environmental mm. uh, for me is from a design perspective. So I worked, uh, I headed up the brand group there and worked with a lot of really great brands, Bacardi, Guinness, GM, China Mobile, Heineken, uh, you know, did the USA Pavilion in Shanghai. Um, for the World's Fair? For the World's Fair in 2010. And um, uh, worked with a company called Mori Pacific out of Korea on the Story mm -hmm. Garden, which is a really great little project. And just really sort of um, worked with brands on how to tell their story in a way that actually people maybe cared about, right? Which is also, mm -hmm. the, I think, the, the thread is brands always inherently feel like they're maybe more valuable than they are mm -hmm. sometimes. And kind of cutting through that to find out what really matters to a consumer is is really important and yeah. kind of at the root of everything. So It's interesting. The, uh, the, the, most, the most powerful brands are the ones that are actually have humility. I think Apple's yeah. a great example of that. Yeah I, think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's a really good example. And who really understand, first and foremost, that it's not necessarily maybe the story they want to tell, but the story that people want to hear. Yeah. And what the story that, that, that people are telling themselves. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. great. Um, yeah. So I spent, I spent five years at BRC, and then that led me... I was working with Fox, with, with BRC, and trying to identify ways that they could move into the location-based space, and um, <clears throat> uh, spent two years on the outside working with them, and then they uh, decided they wanted to set up a group, so they invited me over there, and, and I decided to kind of walk the tightrope and take a risk, and, and went over there and, and started up the location-based group, um, which was within the licensing and merchandising division. Mm. and. Um, uh, we uh, grew the group to 14 people and um, did some very cool projects. We launched the Avatar Global Exhibition, um, which opened in Taiwan last December and is now traveling through Asia. Um, we opened the Springfield Land with Universal in Orlando and Hollywood for yep. the Simpsons and um, uh, set in place the first of its kind Fox branded theme park, which is in partnership with Genting, 
uh, at the Genting Highlands in Malaysia, and that's under construction now and set to open in 2018. Uh, and then um, one of the last things I did there was uh, uh, we developed a free roam multiplayer VR experience around Alien, mm, yeah. uh, the Alien franchise, and that'll be rolling out um, to locations uh, very soon. Now, now, has that been announced? That has been announced. Okay, who, who is it with? So we worked with a company called IP2, okay, um, which I think is probably known as Pure Imagination mm. now. And uh, so they're, um, they're a company that really got their start in media, and they were involved in a lot of big attractions, moved into LBE, um, kind of a common story. And then um, Josh Wexler, who's the, one of the founders, mm-hmm. uh, and I had been talking for a while, they were, they were doing some work for us on the Genting project in Malaysia. And, um, uh, you know, VR, very, very hot. It was a very shiny object for a lot of the studios, and it wasn't any different at Fox. And um, uh, we certainly wanted to dip our f- foot into the pond and see what it was like. And this was a way to, you know, do something that was um, the perfect brand for that type of absolutely. I want to play. Like, I want to be there on the day it opens. <laughs> I'm hoping it's, it's um, as terrifying as I'm imagining it's going it, to be. I think it's, it's going to be really remarkable, quite remarkable. I mean, uh, everything that I'd seen, I've seen that we've, we've done with it has been truly phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that free roam environment, you know, it's, it's like people don't realize just how much alien and aliens mm. have impacted gaming, mm. right? Like aliens is probably one of the single most um, um, uh, impactful IPs on gaming there's ever been. Mm. You know, you could trace a lot of like Halo and all these things back to like the Colonial Marines, yeah, and yeah, yeah. the pulse rifles, and you know, swarms, you know, uh, uh, of the flood. Uh, the, yeah. yeah. And, and so there's, it's just, it's in its, the DNA of that IP is to be placed into that environment. Yeah. And, 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 and the free roam space where, when you've got the physical objects and things like that and the haptics involved, it gives you an opportunity to, I think, get to the core of the franchise, which is that visceral terror. Yeah. Right. And that, that, that feeling of just being up against something that that is just bigger and continues to come at you, right? As a fan, I can't wait. Like, when is it supposed to roll out? Uh, can I get tickets yet? <laughs> I can't get tickets yet, but they'll, they'll, be, they'll be announcing the, the, the rollout pretty soon. And, and do you know where? Or can you say yet? Uh, it'll be locations... Uh, It'll, it'll be multiple locations, but, okay. but uh, they'll, they'll, they'll be announced. Are they tied in with theater, like theaters and that type of well, environment? Well, look, I think, I think in, 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 so as not to, you know, uh, violate my NDA or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> the, but I think the, certainly, with zero latency, you know, which you're familiar with, obviously, I think the, there's, a, there's a, the right idea there in the sense that um, there's a couple different ways to skin this cat. Yeah. One is, do you create the whole shebang? Do you create the whole micro destination? Which, look, I'm a fan of. I think there's a real, you know, and, and certainly the void is looking at that kind of approach. And I think there's a lot of there's a lot of meat on the bone there. And then there's the I think the approach that zero latency is taking, which is and, and others are taking, which is okay. We're going to create an experience that can drop into yeah. existing locations. Yeah. And okay. I, I think certainly this was 
created in that in in that ten, in cool. The, All right. Well, can't so wait to learn more. But that's not what I want to talk about. Even yeah. Though that is what I want to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the the the. I want to talk about content licensing. So one of the things you know, we Doug Trumbull. I don't know who we were here yesterday yeah. morning for his thing. And I think one of the things he talked about was this notion of. Um, of, the, of using intellectual property to create context for the experience. So when we drop you into a three minute, five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute, 30 minute experience, whatever it is, you already understand what's happening. So if it's the Star Wars game, you know the characters, you know the world, the universe, the story, and this way you can start right away and you relate to what's going on. So I'm a big fan of IP around experiences. I license Stargate for a laser tag arena in 1996. So yeah. that was like way before its time. And I'm not, I don't think anybody's done it since, to be honest with you, which I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it wasn't a good idea. Um, and, and so with virtual reality, there's a lot of interest there, and it's happening. The void with Ghostbusters, and now with Star Wars, and Zero Latency is talking to people, and aliens. So it's happening. And then, and my concern, and this is the conversation you and I had offline, is this: the studios. Um, I think they want to own the. Con they want a studio model for content production, mm -hmm. and they want to push that out to multiple platforms and then get a big chunk of the box office, which is how the theaters work. And I think the concern, the thing that I don't understand how that's going to play out is when you have multiple um, platforms yep. and it's not easy to port from one to another. Like there right. are some, these platforms are very different. Well, I think how does I, that work? Well, it's, and I think that, that last thing you said is kind of the critical piece, which I think this, all the studios are starting to learn. Mm. And I think they're learning alongside all these various companies that are out there in the LBE space that are also, you know, there's there's two types of thought out there. I think early stage, there were companies out there that thought, uh, we're gonna take content that the studios are creating as sort of like in-window marketing pieces right. that support a theatrical release, right? Um, and then we're gonna create a home, a permanent home for that in these LBE locations. The, the problem, I think, with that, the challenge is, the, you have to discern between an in-home experience that's created for an in-home user with very, very specific limitations and a piece of content that's created for an LBE space out of home that should exceed those, those parameters, right? right? And so you get into this notion of bespoke content, which becomes critical to create a successful out-of-home experience, especially when you talk about VR. And, and you've got all these layers of VR, right? You've got the, the kind of baseline 360 experience that is, I think, easier to for the studios to look at and say, that's a great marketing tool. That's an awareness tool. That's a bit of an extension that we can put out there. You know, and, and Fox did a really lovely job with a, an Alien 360 uh, piece around Covenant. Which that was the, the alien put, coming yeah, out put, of the birth it, it, It's of the in aliens. utero. It, it yeah. gave you the opportunity to kind of live the life of, a, of, a, of a, an alien being it's born. pretty controversial, right? actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. But, but I think, and I think that, that's probably that's part of the, 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 the thing they make, right? But, um, but then you, you, once you move beyond that kind of 360 experience, you're looking at a lot of costs. And, and then you look at how do you leverage the assets that were created for that 360 experience, and it's not as easy, mm. right? And so I think everyone right now is grappling with that. It, you add that layer of um, 
the studio model, which is frankly, you know, which has worked very, very well for studios for, for a very a long, long time. Yeah. So who, you know, who can blame them, right? Uh, which is to control every aspect of that of that IP and the content and how it's the the channels in which it's distributed and the the way in which it's distributed. Um, and and I think that adds an additional challenge and layer to the LVE owner operators, yeah. the the people trying to license the content. So, I I, th I think as the studios, uh, you're you're seeing a bit of a paradigm shift, which I think in general is there was such froth around initial in-home headset projections, right? Right. But there are going to be a hundred million out there, and and you know by Christmas. And, and so certainly those were really, those were attractive numbers. You know, that, th those numbers had a gravitational pull to them, yeah. which led the studios, and I think Fox was, to the credit, the first among them to really say, hey, we got to look at this VR stuff. And, um, and, 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 and uh, other studios followed suit. But I think now you're seeing a, a shift where people are starting to recognize that without that fast adoption, that mm -hmm. rapid adoption in home of these pretty still prohibitively expensive headsets, and still kind of a, a lack of a lot of quality content, um, the real proving ground for this will be out of home. Right. Right. So as the value of out of home becomes more pronounced and obvious, you will see, I think, a growing shift in studio perceptions towards it, towards the, the and the owner operators. Um, ability to kind of get the IP, and you'll still have those push and pull battles over how it gets utilized. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that's something that's happening more and more now. Okay, that's um, good to hear. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I've always been a, a, an enormous advocate of, of of out of home because it, it's the same thing. I think if you look at what's happening with VR. It, it's very similar to the reason why people still go to theme parks, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's there's always been talk of you know as more content becomes readily available as content goes shorter and shorter format uh, as 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 people attention spans get shorter and shorter uh, theme parks offer and afford a place to experience IP in a way that can't be experienced at home or in a movie theater or any other any other place and and so I think the the value of VR will be the, will be similar to that at least in in the near and, and midterm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So one of the one of the things as you were telling, talking about that, I was thinking maybe the way they do this is, you know, because a lot of the lot of the money is going into the the creation of the assets, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's using Unity. Yeah. So so you know, can they create all of the assets and the textures and all of that and create libraries then that the various LV you know VR companies can yeah. then acquire license, create their version of those based on game design, level design or whatever, and then like share that development. So there's a way to scale it, but you don't have, you know, the studio doesn't have to try to figure out how to build on 15 different platforms. Yeah. So. It sounds so great, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 And I, I but I, I think the question, like all studios are going to face this. Yes. That is the obvious choice to, 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 to those of us who look at it in that way. The tail that wags the dog will be ROI, right? And yep. and so when when you begin to because studios are good at that kind of asset sharing across uh, businesses that they and categories that they understand that they've been generating revenue off of, mm. you know, licensing groups 
within studios, you know, they acquire the, the, the 3D models and then they apply them to toy manufacturing. There's, there's a very good flow of, of So they understand that business model They understand already. the yeah. model in, inherently, D- but, but collectivizing it and, 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 and broadening it for the, for the specific, for the very specific nuanced uses that you, you know, the, 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 the builds you need in VR, yeah. that's still very much early stage. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think they're, they're all looking at it more now because, you know, again, don't forget, I mean, the, the, the studio system is really driven by marketing in, in many ways. So um, as the marketing groups look for ways to promote the films, that's really where the fundamentals of sort of asset sharing start and, mm. and, and kind of become, you know, uh, they go beyond ideas and they become, you know, process. Yeah, I talked to a studio recently that's a game studio within a movie studio mm-hmm. and they've developed a, a, a original IP that they're planning on rolling out for VR and, and they want it, you know, they were asking 50% of the box office or ticket sales. Yeah. Um, you know, for an IP that, that yeah, and, and one of the things they're promising, oh, we've got this big marketing thing, we're going to drive social media and all this other stuff. And I'm like, nobody's going to do that deal. Like, no <laughs> one is going to do that deal. And it was funny because it was some junior BD guy was on the phone. And yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, dude, like, tell your boss, I'll talk to him, whatever you want to do. No one's taking that deal. And, um, and so that was kind of what I got to leading. But, but the problem also is that on the other side, you have the studios who have this model. Yeah. And then over here, you got all these game companies yeah. who look at out of home as a greenfield. And they're like, hey, if I can get 10%, 15%, 20% or 50 or whatever. So those deals have been happening for a long time. Yeah. And so I'm seeing these two camps. And, and my guess is the studios, um, like once they let the genie out of the bottle, it's hard to put it back in. So yeah. if they start doing deals where they fragment it and, and they're not controlling it, 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 I think the studio model's dead for VR. And, and, and look, and I, understandably, that's I, I, I get why there's a fear of that because um, you know I think it was yesterday Wendy uh, uh, Hyman was talking about um, sort of like the the back and forth between licensee and licensor, right? And, you know, uh, the, the, the value that the brands will place on, on this and then the developer who's really outlaying all the cost in a licensing model and assuming the majority of the risk. But I think what both sides need to understand is the studio, and this is what I would always say to those counterparts would be, look, you're investing a lot of money into this LBE project, but you have to understand the studio has invested hundreds of millions of dollars in the creation of the asset that has inherent value, right? And so you're down, you're way downstream of that spend, right? And so, so now everything's just increment. We're incremental revenue, and we're just trying to feed that machine, right? Yeah. So um, it the ask is always going to be big up front, and then I think what you find is the market does provide standards, and everyone knows within. The, the licensing world that there are, there, are, there are sort of standards within that that people tend to operate within. Yeah. And I think this particular category, and I think it is its own category, like you know, VR, LBE, or you know, the, will begin to have defined defined parameters Ranges, as yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. And and that's gonna the market dictates that, yeah. right? Yeah. If if a developer keep, if enough developers keep saying, well I can't afford that, and here are the reasons why, um, you know, this the studio's gonna be forced to say, well, okay, well, if we want to 
extend the brand in this way and, 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 and make that incremental revenue, then we're going to have to see it that way and, and vice versa, right? There's going to be a push in the pool. Yeah, and sometimes I forget. I've been in this space for so long that I forget we're still at day one. I say it all the time, yeah. but sometimes I forget it that yeah. this is day one. Well, you know, I, I just did the zero latency thing again last night and a bunch of us, we had a really good time and, and, and that's the second time actually I'd done that one. And, Which uh, one did you do? I did the uh, uh, Singularity. Okay, yeah. Yeah, because I, I, yeah, you had shown it to me at uh, IAPA yeah. last, last year. And, um, it's better now. It's better. And, and, but but we, had, we had a lot of fun. And then, of course, though, because I've done all these, right, and, and had the benefit of it, um, you know, my <clears throat> LBE brain and a bunch of LBE people, like, that's the worst people again in the it's room. It's the worst. Because you know, we're all like, well, well if only ever. this and this and this. And, and actually, someone else reminded me, yeah, but you live this and eat this every day. Yeah. And the vast majority, the vast majority of people doing this, it's their first time putting on a headset and they are absolutely, utterly blown away. And I think that it is hard when you're inside that bubble to recognize how purely a unique experience this is for people and and kind of how it blows lids off. But it is our job kind of to make it better, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so so one of the other questions are the things that I think we've struggled with, I've struggled with, everybody in the industry... Um, now is struggling with is the economics of so regardless of the model then there's the economics so you have a an expensive product that has a, a license fee royalty for the operator associated that's going back to the the provider mm-hmm. of that product and then there's you layer an IP on top of that yep. and that pie starts those pie pieces yep. start getting smaller and most of those licensing deals are first money so they're all right. at the top right yep. and yeah. So, um, have you seen anything that have you seen a model that's working? One of the things we like, like, is there a way to make that work consistently, yeah. or what are you seeing out there? Well, I mean, look, it's, the model works certainly in the on the large scale projects, right. and it's been proven to work in like themed F and B, and there's there's plenty of success stories there, and and certainly theme parks have skinned this cat ten thousand times, and it's proven to be an effective way to make an ROI off of it, and the value of the IP you know, makes it worth it and, and the money coming in from those big projects makes it worth it. I, I think there's two interesting components to this. One, and I think it works in the developers, the, the, the owner operator favor. In the VR space specifically, VR is naturally a disruptor technology, mm. right? And I think what's most interesting to me it's happening right now is that IP still very much matters and can still place you above the matting crowd but the type of technology we have which is frankly not something I'm going to have my 8 year old do right now because of the, the you know the recommendations and things for age and stuff and the, the fact that who this really targets opens the doors to owner operators to a host of IP that never really had traditional value in theme parks because, uh, you know, and this is true, like, just general TV shows. Very few exceptions to the rule, The Simpsons being one of them. Uh, Nickelodeon certainly has some properties that work. But very few television shows are, are placed in theme parks because the capex on an attraction and the just doesn't make sense, right? They, theme parks operate off of franchises, right? They're, they're tent pole events, they're launched with a ton of fanfare from the studio, they're propped up, they become part of the zeitgeist, 
and they they're machines that keep rewarding the fan base and the theme parks generate you know attendance from that and it's a it's a it's a chain right but if you look at like uh, VR it, it you know companies like Netflix and Amazon and 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 television shows like you know uh, really kind of outlier TV shows now have followings within that segment yeah. of VR users and the gamers, right? Which is a, a whole other kind yeah. of nut to crack. That I think it's a really a, a kind of potentially a boon time for owner operators looking to exploit IP. Mm. And I think it's actually really good for a lot of the studios and the and, and the, the minis and, and the and the IP creators because there's this whole source of potential licensing revenue and brand extension available to them now that really wasn't in the traditional sort of theme park model, right? Mm. So I think if you're clever about the way you approach the IP, and, um, and, and I think there's, there, there's, there's a lot of opportunity. Yeah, so one of the questions that we've bandied about is like you take the game um, Singularity or the yeah. zombie survival game that Zero Latency yeah. has, or any game, and you layer an IP on top yeah. of it. Well, the consumers pay more for that. So if, it's, yeah. you know, if, if that Singularity game were Aliens, for example, yeah. would somebody pay an extra $10 to yeah. play that game? Yeah, what do you well, think? Well, it's funny, and I think it, it, someone asked me at the panel, maybe it was you, I don't know, the value of the IP. And I'll, I'll answer that the same way I answered it today. Three months ago, when I was at Fox, I would have said absolutely yes. And now, three months later, I, my answer is still yes. Yeah. I think there's a couple of things. One, for the, for the right brands, if people, have, if people share connective tissue with that brand, there's an immediate recognition. Yep. And... VR is already a technology that, as we discussed, most people don't know what the hell it is, right? They're like, like VR, I keep hearing about this VR, I put a headset on. There's no way to explain it to anybody until they actually try it. I think it's going to help, especially in early adoption, promote the technology in a way and entice people to try. Mm. And I think it does continue to add value, you know? Yeah. And even like with um, the IMAX, you know, uh, VR, um, you know, the John Wick experience, I think it is yeah. an example. That's, I think that's a great crossover IP because that, that, that IP really relates to gamers and then that platform obviously intersects with gamers. So I think again, are you gonna do a John Wick attraction, big attraction, like $200 million attraction somewhere? Probably not, um, but in that, in that room scale experience that can be replicated around the world, it's a no-brainer. Yeah, cool. So um, I think we talked about there was, uh, and I think you guys did the Exorcist Escape Room. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. a case study that we could look at? Well, maybe? Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's really interesting. You brought that up because um, escape rooms, the ROI just isn't there, right? Right. And so this is a conversation we had a lot when I was at Fox, which is, um, but what's fueling escape room IP use is um, is marketing. So it's it's it's. It's a great kind of flashy way to viscerally engage a consumer um, in window, right? And, and the Exorcist uh, Escape Room was a great example of that. That was generated through television marketing group and, and um, they wanted to do something that was gonna generate buzz. And you know, it's, it's a capacity issue. You're not, you're not putting a lot of people through it, but it makes for a great headline and it grows awareness and people are suddenly, you know, because you're generating a new story that's that's around the exorcist, 
it's all about awareness. And and so and the people who did it really, by all accounts, loved it. And I did it. I thought it was really good. And I'm I'm a huge fan of escape rooms. I think the question with escape rooms is going to continue to be ROI. So so can and when you say ROI, you mean ROI from the return IP return on investment? No, no, but but well, from whose perspective? Well, like, from well, from I know operators that are making a lot of money with well, escape but, rooms. But but but, but be, they're not they're not willing to pay the licensing fees. That's my it's, point. It's okay, the so, margins. So my understanding was that they were charging extra, mm-hmm. uh, like an upcharge to do these, yeah. the, 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 the exorcist mm-hmm. experience. And they had multiple experiences, some of them unlicensed, and then they had extra at the same location. Yeah. They were charged like 10 bucks extra and getting it. So you know, does that model of just like layering a, a surcharge on top of the ticket for the IP and have that money just go straight back to the IP holder? Is yeah, that a model a, it that is. Works? It is a potential model, and I think it's it's. I think escape rooms are going to, you know, that industry is going to start making that that evaluation and decide how do we separate ourselves from everybody else and. And, and and that's always when that conversation starts to happen. That's always when IP comes into play. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, Greg Lombardo, really, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and thanks good for to having reconnect. me. And um, and I think you know it's going to be really interesting to see how this develops. And I think the next twelve months are yeah. going to be really interesting I agree. with what the Void's doing with Star Wars. That that just I know. really raises the bar. It does. And now. Everybody that's doing this is going to have to be thinking, okay, how do I leverage IP on my, um, on my experience? So. But, but, and that's the arms race, right? Yeah. That's where it starts. And, yeah. uh, and, and, if you, and it's the same thing is trending. Like you see Six Flags and uh, companies like Cedar Fair starting to introduce IP and, yeah. and, uh, and, and in some cool, clever ways. You yeah. Know? Um, uh, yeah, I think it's, there's definitely an arms race happening. I think the good news is there's a lot of there's a lot of armies to pick from though. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, and a lot of IP, like a lot of great IP. That's so, it. You know, yeah. there's just a lot. Awesome, cool. Well, great thanks, seeing you, man. Yeah, thanks for joining. Talk yeah. to you soon, and Bye. I'll be back. Thank you.